And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, I'm going to tell you, like I do every program, we're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We do stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations, A, that I don't know about, and B, that you have been reposting our interviews too, and I thank you so much for doing so. We will also be giving you our guests a website so that you can continue your evolutionary process, and we also encourage you, if you're able to do so, please uh, support us financially. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for that very purpose, for your security as well as ours, and we also want you to participate as we enter the 21st year of this century of the 21st century isn't that interesting 21 21 i this is these are the 2020s the decade of perfect vision we want you to go within we want you to spend time with yourself in that peace peaceful calm quiet place listen to the still small voice that will inspire and guide and give you all of the information you could possibly ever want and that is not to say that uh, we don't encourage you to listen to this program, too. But that's where you're going to get information directly for yourself. And I think these programs are, are part of that whole effort. So please, take time during this decade. I hope you'll continue way beyond 2029. Uh, but uh, the decade of 2020, uh, the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision. Our program today, I know you are going to really enjoy. I know that I am because it's going to give us an opportunity to talk with a, a woman who has been providing information and insight to us, uh, encouraging us uh, that we were born to be happy. You do realize that we were born to be happy. That is part of the goal in this life. And we're very excited to have Dr. Marissa Pay here with us on the program via Zoom. And I thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. It is a great pleasure and an honor to be on a a show that's older than mine. <laughs> well, much I, older than mine. Well, so there's and, a lot of wisdom here. Well, and I'm hoping to get a lot of wisdom from you for our listeners uh, that uh, they will be able to use in their day-to-day -day lives. One of the things that um, uh, you have uh, talked about, and again, you know, we're born to be happy. Uh, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit when I talk about this. Uh, here in America, we have these wonderful documents that we live by. Uh, the Constitution, we have the preamble and the Declaration. And in it, uh, in those documents, it says uh, to words to the effect that uh, we have these inalienable rights. Now, it doesn't list them all. It only lists three. We have life and we have liberty. But I find it humorous, tongue in cheek, that it says, uh, but uh, we can only pursue happiness. It doesn't say we get it. <laughs> we get to pursue it. But you yes. have eight ways to happiness that allows us uh, to be happy. But I would venture, uh, Dr. Marissa, that we're not talking about being happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because there are people who are in institutions who are happy 24-7. And that's that's an out-of-balance life. Kind of happy. Yeah, yes. that's a different kind of happy. Okay. <laughs> So let's yes. talk about happy uh, and and what that is, 
what that means to you? Great question. Thank you for the segue. And I, um, I absolutely believe it is our birthright to be happy 88% of the time. And people say, but Dr. Marissa, why not 100% happy if it's your birthright to be happy? And if, if you're 100% happy, you're dead because it's impossible to be happy 80, uh, 100% of the time. So I say 88. Uh, eight is a lucky number in Chinese. Mm -hmm. I know I look Swedish. <laughs> on the radio. Um, that's actually a joke. I, I look very Chinese. Mm -hmm. I have a dash of Mongolian. Eight is a homonym in Mandarin for good fortune. So when I say you're 88% happy, I'm saying that it is your double good fortune to be happy most of the time. Mm -hmm. So not 100% of the time, you have no contrast, you need the contrast. And most of the time, because right now, even BC19, hashtag BC19 is before COVID, mm -hmm. <laughs> people were not happy 88% of the time. Yeah. We were lucky if people were happy 50 or 60% of the time because we had the majority of people walking around saying, you ask them, how are you? And they would say, I'm okay. Or mm -hmm. I'm fine. No, no, no. How are you? Uh, you really don't have the time to hear <laughs> exactly how I am. Or I'm fine. And fine stands for effed up, irrational, neurotic, and emotional. So what we had, BC19, was a plethora of people who were either in the group of perfectionists who would say, I'll be happy when. Mm -hmm. So it was still possible to be happy, but not until I had the second car, I had the mansion, I had you know six months of uh, vacation before that, uh, or if it's a little less materialistic and more altruistic, I'll be happy when my parents are okay. I'll be happy when my kids get a good job. I'll be happy when, when, when. So then you have this entire population that is definitely not happy now, but hanging their happiness hat on some point in the future when they would have what they thought they needed to be happy. And the problem is when you're in your 20s, you're, I'll be happy if I have 100,000 in the bank, 200,000 in the bank, then it's a million, and then it's 5 million. So that even that point continues to move. So when are you happy? Never. So you've got that population. Then you also have a population that I, I'm part of, which is what spurred the book, which is this one out of, uh, sorry, seven out of 10 of us are by research from a painful past. Children of trauma, children of abuse, uh, you have some horrible thing happen to you that makes you think there's something wrong with you. But I don't understand if we're the majority and my honorable moniker is the Asian Oprah. Mm -hmm. I was actually introduced to Oprah by Michael Bernard Beckwith. And uh, so that's how the name uh, stuck 
And she says it's as high as eight out of 10. So if the majority of us have gone through some kind of trauma, why is it that we think there's something wrong with us? Why do we need to fix, be fixed? And why do we think that we'll never catch up to the normal ones? And so when I wrote the book, I wrote it not as a psychologist telling you how to be happy, but as a child with a painful past who, like the majority of us, either stuff that stuff down and not deal with it. Well, it's in the past, can't change it. Pull yourself up by bootstraps and just keep marching on, which is repression, which is like a garbage disposal panel, pushing down garbage. And then when you push down garbage enough, it turns liquid and then the liquid turns to gas. And so around midlife, I don't call it crisis. I call it midlife opportunity. We begin to see that the gas is coming out of us <laughs> And we're wondering why people avoid us. We're wondering why we're not happy. We're wondering why we walk around saying, fine. We wonder, and that's all because we have not dealt with that painful past that keeps us from being happy 88% of the time. Mm -hmm. So we're leaking the gas. We don't smell it. Everybody around us does. Then we, we, we get to that point, and I have clients who, you're very successful, very, you know, have all of the things and are not happy. You know, you hear the stars or whoever it is. Well, I mean, look at uh, Robin Williams or mm -hmm. Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade, who by the very right of the definition of happiness, if you have fame and fortune, you should be happy. They were not happy. And then we have the statistic of one out of four Americans, BC 19, I'm sure it's worse now, are on some kind of anti-something, mm -hmm. anxiety or depression, have been on it for a while, which just numbs you out so you don't feel what it is that you need to feel. And not only are you still anxious and depressed, now there's side effects that come with this substance mm -hmm. that continues to mask and you are not truly hooked into your birthright of 88% happiness. So it's because of those, all of those, that I wrote this book, Eight Ways to Happiness, to address the dis-ease and discomfort that most of us, especially in America, where we should be happy because we have more than, you know, what, 80% of the world in terms of food and money and, and all of the comforts of life, and yet we are unhappy. And enough is enough. The buck stops right over here mm -hmm. that the work that we need to do is within ourselves. How have we abdicated our choices and our ability to work up our own muscle of responsibility when it comes to our own happiness. You know, you, you make obviously some excellent points in that regard uh, to us uh, as uh, living here in the land of opportunity and of abundance and all of that. And what I find interesting, there was an interesting story that was told to me. Um, I think it was more allegorical or metaphorical than it was real. Uh, these two gentlemen would meet uh, to get together for, uh, you know, just to get together because they were friends and they would uh, meet one day and they sat down for a breakfast. And at the end of the breakfast, after a wonderful meal and conversation, the one gentleman, <clears throat> you know, he picked up the bill and 
reached in his pocket and pulled out uh, exactly what he needed for for the for the payment plus gratuity and they went on their way and then a few weeks later they got together for lunch and at the end of the meal same thing pulls out uh, exactly the amount plus gratuity for for the meal so they go to dinner uh, another week or so later and the same thing happens only this time the second gentleman says well, hey you know bill let's call him bill how is it that every time we go out to eat, and I appreciate your paying, you know, I certainly could contribute as well, but every time uh, we go out to, 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 to get together, you always have exactly what uh, you need uh, for, for that bill. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, <clears throat> I'll tell you. You may not believe me, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, I found this lamp and rubbed it, and this genie came out. And the genie said, not, can you have three, wi- you can have three wishes, said, you can have one wish. He says, okay, well, um, you know, a lot of things I could wish for. Can I, can I get back to you maybe tomorrow? Says, sure, why not? You know, his wish is still there. <laughs> so he thinks about it long and hard and finally comes back to him the next day, comes back to the genie and he says, I would like to have the money that I need to pay for the things that I need as I go through my life. And that is the reason why he always had exactly what he needed when he needed it. Whether it was a meal, whether it was a bill, it didn't matter. It was always there. And I thought about that long and hard, and part of me sort of adopted that, and I sit there going, is that the reason why I don't have five and six and seven figures in my bank account? Because all I'm going to get is exactly what I need when I need it? Well, when you think about it, if you think of the biblical passage that Jesus was talking to his disciples and followers and telling them about the birds, hey, they don't toil. I mean, yeah, they have to go and fly and, and they got to find their food. But do you notice that they're taken care of? They're cared for. How much more will your father care for you? Don't worry about what you're going to wear today, where you're going to eat today, where you're going to sleep tonight. You're going to be okay. Just, just relax. And there's a part of me that feels like that, but then I, I, maybe it's my ego personality, uh, Dr. Mercer, that gets in there and says, yeah, but I would still like to have a lot of zeros, uh, uh, you know, before the decimal point. Mm-hmm. So that's a, so, a sort of a struggle that we, in America in particular, we go through. Mm-hmm. So um, I have this, it's a tool. It's a, my, one of my happy 88 tools, mm-hmm. which is, I always have enough. And if I know that, if I have that faith in the mustard seed that you're talking about, that the the, the toiling and the lilies and mm-hmm. everybody's always mm-hmm. taken care of, then it's I can I can use that as a, a, a platform with which to fly off of. But if I have a BS, if I have a belief system that I'm going to have to struggle and fight and I'm never going to have enough because I, I'm not going to have as, as much as that person or as that, as that person, I will not be comfortable in and of myself, always searching with my antenna, who's going to give me this? Or can I get that? Or why can't I have that? Or I want this and it's not enough. And why hasn't it come? And that level of existence is not happiness. Happiness is the ability to have what you want and want what you have in that very, very 
comfortable. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I choose to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that all my needs are met. I am a precious child of a friendly universe that has come down onto this planet to grow and expand in who I am, whose I am, fundamentally a spiritual being having a human experience. We have so many people that spout that BS, but then are so concerned and worried and out of their mind and out of their heart that they are in a place of non-balance, of non-stability, of non-peace, that it's, it's, it's like we forget. We forget who we really are. We really are, uh, you know, we're, we're, we get to come to this experience called life with a capital L that is in your original, you know, what as Americans, mm -hmm. we have that inalienable right <laughs> to life with a capital L. Yeah. You see, I post all the time, one of my favorite stops on the joy ride of my life. And that, my friends, is the rose-colored Kool-Aid that I'm constantly trying to get you to drink. Why? Am I going to make money if you drink that Kool-Aid? No. I'm going to be delighted because one person has lived and breathed easier because I have lived. That's my definition of success. That's uh, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, to live, to laugh often and to know that one life has breathed easier that's my job my purpose in this life mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily a shirley mclean but i do know i had this vision in meditation one time of you know we're all lined up on the other side heaven whatever you want to call it a good place light peace joy everybody's gone there comes back and says it was fabulous except maybe one person so <laughs> they come back we are all in line kind of like disneyland or or any uh, a theme park mm -hmm. we're all in line and we're waiting for the the, the vehicle to come yeah. that takes us to earth we get in we go to earth and we are born into the most expansive version of what it is that is going to help me with what I want. So this time I wanted um, power. I wanted to come to earth to feel power. That was my intention. So what happens? I was born into a family where I had no power. I was beaten to the point where I was in the hospital. Uh, uh, my parent was uh, uh, had a little stint in a, in a place where you're 100% happy because mm. it was so horrific. The government uh, 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 enabled that. And I spent decades so angry and so righteously indignant. How does a mother who's supposed to love you say that you're fat, say that you're ugly, hurt you? How did that happen? I must be damaged goods and or it's not fair and uh, so everyone else owes me to because I didn't get a, a, a fair shake when I was born into this family. Mm -hmm. and, and for years, I lived a very angry on the inside, uh, achievement oriented on the other side. I had to be the first to do this and the first to do that and have the youngest degree, blah, 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 blah. And did it help? No. You know, maybe for a momentary second where 
oh, you're so great. Is there anything you don't do? And I'd go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the next second, that voice in my head would say, you're not all that. If they really knew you, you're really not all that. You can't, you know, you're never going to achieve what you think you are. You're too big for your shoe, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. All of that, which would bring me back down into this existence that swung from, I'm a piece of shiitake, because that's what I was told and that's what I choose to bring with me. And I'm hot shiitake. I'm better than you and look at me and blah, blah, blah. So this swing that goes back and forth, I'm not alone in this. Most people I know, if I say to them, do you have a voice in your head that tells you that you're a, you know, good for nothing or you shouldn't have said this or you shouldn't have said that or why isn't this enough for you? Mm-hmm. You have that voice? Every oh, single person mm-hmm. in thousands in our audience will say that. So if you can't approve of you, how the heck do you think other people will approve of you? So the work again is the buck stops right over here. Mm -hmm. There's an African-American saying that says, if there is no enemy within, then no enemy outside can hurt you. It's not what happened to Mm -hmm. us. It's what happened for us all of the things that have happened to me i have now gotten so grounded in understanding that i don't regret one horrible thing i don't regret the very expensive six-figure divorce i don't regret uh what happened to me as a child i talked to my mother every day for an hour she's 86 she has parkinson's she did the very best that she could. My only job is to do better with my kids. That's it. Mm -hmm. She didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not excusing her because it's the right moralistic thing to do. I'm excusing her because I don't want to live in justified anger and bitterness and resentment for the rest of my life. That's the gift to myself. And that's the difference between forgiving. They say, uh, you know, you know, forgive and forget. Well, you can forgive, but you don't forget. And if I'm understanding your perspective, you actually, uh, you have to embrace all of those things that that have been in your life. I've I've termed it this way, uh, Dr. Marissa, that if you have regrets, you are basically wanting to pull a particular thread out of a tapestry. And if you pull that thread, in addition to pulling others along with it, you have now changed that tapestry. If you could remove those things you regret that you wish hadn't happened, wish you hadn't done from your life, then in this present moment, as you and I are conversing, you would not be the person that you are. You would be somebody else. Yes. Beautiful. What a beautiful analogy. Absolutely. But here's the, 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 the crux of this is mm-hmm. most people do not like themselves. Right. And so they want to take all of that away. So it starts with, can I have compassion 
for myself that even the things that I regret, that I really did at the moment do the very best that I could with the time that I had and the resources I had at that time, that was the best that I could do. So Mm -hmm. if I can cut myself some slack and say, I, I really wish I hadn't done that, but you know what? I did the best that I could. And I know now that I can do something different, but at the time, and so I can forgive myself. Out of hatred into forgiveness chapter in the book is the most powerful chapter in the book because it gives us the key to freedom to now live the rest of our lives with no woulda, shoulda, coulda, and no, I wish I hadn't, no regrets, is one of the mottos of my life for the past and don't die wondering is the motto for my future. (laughs) So between the two of them, everything is new. Everything is a a new stock, you know, every relationship. Oh, that that relationship was a short-lived chapter in the book of my romance. Uh, Okay. But it's not their fault. It's not my fault. I can even forgive my husband, mm-hmm. formerly called Dick Wad, because <laughs> I know that I picked a man, my my choice. Yeah. And 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 children of trauma do this all the time. We don't know any better. We do the best we can, but we pick partners who may not hurt us physically or or do the same kind of trauma, but they all lead to the same road of self. Um, hatred is a strong word. Uh, How about self, self, self-deprecation? Self-deprecation, self-dislike, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 all towards a diminished knowing of who we really are. Yeah. Again, we are loving, lovable, loved, wrapped in a warm blanket of worthiness as uh, Esther Hicks will say, uh, Abraham through Esther Hicks. So if I choose, okay, here's a, this is a drum roll, please. This is one I use when I teach Tai Chi. (laughs) Einstein says, the most important question that a human being has to answer is, is the universe friendly or not? If you say the universe is not friendly and you have every reason to right now, you know, BC-19, it was starving children, people dying of cancer. Right now it's COVID, okay? So you have every reason to say, no, look, how can you say the universe is friendly when all this bad stuff is happening to good people? And my response is, you can choose that, but then you accept responsibility that for the rest of your life, you're going to be holding your breath, waiting for the other shoe to drop, even if something good happens, keeping yourself away from people and and just constantly not feeling the true beauty and life with a capital L. But if I choose instead to say, you know what? There is a lot of shiitake going on right now. It is a fluxed up time for sure. However, I choose to believe that the universe is friendly. Why? I woke up this morning. The planets did not crash. I didn't have to tell my liver to do anything last night. It did its job. I didn't have to tell, 
you know, uh, 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 the beauty of the flowers or the fact that they're every single drop of water is different than the other in the ocean, my ocean of abundance, every grain of sand, every blade of grass, every leaf of the tree, that is evidence of a friendly universe that yeah. I have no control over. So yeah. by choosing that, do you think I'm going to have a good day or a bad day? And it kind of goes to an interesting point that I learned when I was working 15 years early in my career for a Christian radio station. And uh, many of the programmers uh, would constantly be talking, of course, about the influence of the devil. And I remember uh, a conversation I had with somebody about this. And they said, this kind of goes to your point. Well... Look at it this way. If you are looking for the devil under every rock and everywhere, you will find him, her, it. But if you look for God and so forth, you will find it and beauty as well. We're talking with Dr. Marissa Pay. Dr. Marissa is our guest here on the program, referred to, uh, introduced actually uh, to Oprah Winfrey, referred to as the Asian Oprah. And we certainly thank you for uh, joining us. The conversation we're having here about the eight ways to happiness um, is, uh, is very interesting from the standpoint uh, as we started out the program talking about, of course, uh, our hopes and dreams and desires uh, here in America. And part of the goal of this program is giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. But one of the interesting things I'd like to throw out to you uh, is in regards to The Secret, for example. When that first came out, and I've seen the video, I've, I've, I've read the book and so forth, and um, someone said to me in one of my interviews that, uh, well, yeah, but they left something out. They may not have done it intentionally, but this is real important. And it actually goes to something else, another phrase that you used earlier. They said that, yes, the law of attraction is true. However, they said, how do you know that what it is that you are wanting is not only in your best interest, but also is part of your life's purpose in, in, that, in that sense? Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily want a Mercedes or a boat or, you know, I, I would love to travel back to Ireland. I want to live there. That's where my wife and I want to spend the rest of our days, if we could, doing these programs from there. Uh, that's certainly a desire. Um, that's part of the personality. But when we think about ourselves as spiritual beings having a human experience, if we're tapped into the divine, if we're tapped into our higher self, would we not be led to those things that are in our best interest for our highest good, for our life's purpose. And that isn't to say that maybe we couldn't have the boat or the Mercedes or whatever else that our, our ego minds are wanting us to have. Mm -hmm. Great question. I've actually had on my show several of the teachers from The Secret so Neil Donald Walsh, Lisa Nichols, my um, Bob Proctor, I think Bob Proctor was on there. My big brother is actually Michael Bernard Beckwith. He calls me his little sister. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Um, and the, the secret.
Secret was a beautiful entree into a, 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 an avenue of thought that we really did not uh, have in our mainstream, which is why I also credit uh, Oprah with uh, the impetus and the and the groundbreaking. You know, when she had the successful show, bringing in the whole spirit, the spirituality into mainstream America, which I think is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But it. It is a, it's just a start. Now, the, the, the real uh, moose on the table that I want to address. So my, my, I I was born in Canada. So instead of saying the elephant in the room, Ah. I say, let's put the moose on the table. So let's put the moose on the table around what it is that is in our highest and best good. So there's been this BS, this belief system that, you know, things like money and cars and boats and what I want are not necessarily what is best for me. And I would, I would, uh, I would like to suggest that what is best for us sometimes you know those of us who grew up in a very uh, uh strict religious background have this idea that you know our god who who may need anger management classes uh he doesn't you know as soon as you say god's will not mine it automatically means that what i want is not probably not going to be good for me which is BS. It's bullshitaki because our heart's desires, it is my God, and I call my God, uh, my UPS man, my universal power source who delivers every morning when I pray and meditate. And it is his, in his most loving interest to give me my heart's desires. So if my heart's desire is, I don't have a heart's desire for specific things. I have a heart's desire to feel happy, joyous, and free. That's my heart's desire. And I think that most people on the planet would say, is it your heart's desire to be in that place of comfort for your heart? Not necessarily, certainly yes, comfort for your body, your house, you know, a, a roof over your head, money in your pocket, and and, and food, which we all have, right? Most of us have. So except for, you know, unfortunately with COVID now, a lot of people are running out of that. And so it's a whole new level, mm-hmm. but let's just stay with this line. So I remember going to a workshop and 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 uh, Ish, brother Ishmael Tate came in and said, how many of you love money? And like, we're all spiritual practitioners there and all, and we're all like looking at each other and three of us out of like, hundred, you know, started putting it. And he said, why would money come to you if you don't want it? And I was like, oh, what? It, and, and it broke this mold of BS that mm. said to me, it is not God's desire for us to have boats and cars and money and all the creature comforts that, that we desire. Well, I, I just, I, people call me um, the most materialistic spiritual person they've ever met because I like desire. I like, I like wearing nice things. I like having a nice car. I love living on the ocean in a luxury. I mean, these are things that have been brought to me 
because I desire them. There is nothing wrong with your desire to have your studio in Ireland. And it will happen as long as you don't contradict that desire with, oh, maybe that's not what God's will is for me. Or maybe it's not, you know, the best thing for me. That's bullshitaki. If you have a heart's desire for anything, as long as it, as it is not of harm to yourself or others, that's the rule, right? Then it is of great pleasure that the universe delivers it to us. Mm. And our work, so he, he, here's the second thing that is missing in the secret. It is way more than sitting under a Bodai tree saying, vision board come to me right this is what i want i have pictures this is this, this and then if i sit there it's gonna come well guess what you just it's not that it might not come instantaneously but you just screwed yourself mm -hmm. out of the journey to have your desires fulfilled so there's the other moose on the table which is the same thoughts that we have that we constantly criticize ourselves with it is not that we want those thoughts to stop we have the most creative minds of all the animals in the kingdom it is the blessing and the desire of our source and the energy of the universe that we are inspired and creative with our lives we want to have our heart's desires because the process in gaining them is delicious. Mm -hmm. We don't want to get from A to Z like this without the ability. I mean, one of the most thrilling things about my life is being able to sit and get an inspired thought and then do what the voice or the, the words say and then have the results of what that is. There's nothing better than sitting and doing my callers, you know, when I do uh, uh, Dr. Marissa, the kinder, gentler Dr. Laura, and someone has a question and I don't have anything prepared and I say, speak through me, don't let me get in the way, let the words be thine and the voice be mine. And then I am transmitting the perfect thing that person needs to hear, not from me, but from the source and the energy of loving energy, there's nothing better than that. And they start crying and they go, oh my God, you know, this mm. changed my life. That feeling right there, you know, of the inspiration, innovation, and creativity, that's, I call them spiritual orgasms because there's nothing better to be in the flow of life with the capital L, mm. which is why we're here to fulfill our heart's desires. So I would, I would say to you, Mr. Dugan, that it is, not only is it in your vortex of desire, it's already done. Mm. You have that studio in Ireland. It's being built. It is built right now. And you're going to have so much fun having it realized. Yeah. You know, that's, that is, again, it's uh, that old saying, it is not the destination, but the journey. 
which then in turn, as you have just described, makes that destination that much more uh, exciting and fulfilling and so forth. And I only have I only have one piece of advice for you. You really need to get a little more excited about the things that you're doing. You just you're really holding it in. You know, you really need to let it out. Um, I see that sarcasm is another service you offer. (laughs) You you are beautiful. (laughs) You are beautiful with that excitement. I I was talking with somebody else the other day and and uh, I kind of said the same thing, something similar to them, not so much in a sarcastic way, but just saying (laughs) you are you are awesome. Thanks. And you yeah. are awesome. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, um, but I'm awesomer than they are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just a little bit competitive. You've, you've, you've heard it here it's first, not whether folks. you win or lose. It's whether I win or lose. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to just uh, clarify. Yes. It is not a choice between the journey and the destination. It is the journey and, and the that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't have one without the other, because if you're on a journey, you are going to end up someplace. Yes. I mean, even if you stopped right in the middle, well, guess what? You've ended up in that spot. There yes. you go. Yeah, and the best analogy that uh, Esther Abraham Hicks gives on that is you go on vacation. The ultimate destination is actually to return home. So do you say I'm not going on the vacation because I'm coming back here? Yeah. Well, I will tell you that that uh, I have been on um, I've been on three vacations in the last four years. Uh, Twenty sixteen Christmas, my wife and I drove up to Yosemite. Uh, we went to a performance uh, at the um, uh, it was the Bracebridge, I believe, what it's called. It's this big extravaganza performance, but you're getting—it's like a dinner theater kind of thing. Oh, it was incredible at 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 the resort that's right there on in Yosemite. And um, then we drove on to Nevada City, which is further north. Uh, went to uh, Ananda Village, and then drove home. And it was incredible. And every time I think about that, I'm going, "Oh, I wish we were on the road." And of course, then um, what was it? Last year we went. Um, up to close to Yosemite to another place with our new travel trailer. And then in December, we actually drove to Phoenix to visit my family for Christmas and then went on to Sedona and, and of course, then came home. And we took our dog with us all three times, our big black King Shepherd Angus. And what it does for me, as well as my wife, is obviously it gives us a new venue. And yes, there is that element of, yeah, just uh, I want to go on the vacation so I can get home, but I'm not going to not go because I want to have those memories. I want to have that excitement. I want to I want to do that. And I know that a lot of people, they won't take and this is not specifically dealing with vacations, but they won't make the journey because of again that the BS the belief systems that they have been given and and held, held on to and i have to say that there was one gentleman i interviewed many many years ago christian musician back in the 80s early 90s wonderful gentleman had a great conversation and he said something to me that was really fascinating from from where he was coming from belief wise he says i grew up in the jesus movement of the 60s and 70s in california and now he's living in New England and he's sitting in his writer's garret looking out at the, uh, the, the leaves turning and how wonderful it was. And he says, the thought came to me, is what I believe 
what I was taught and told to believe or was I or is what I believe what I believe and something tells me that there isn't really much of a difference because most of what we believe is coming from our outside from the outside world that's because you don't have the strength in your own muscle of choice Mm -hmm. to focus and to choose what it is that you want to believe. We have abdicated our choice to media, which mm-hmm. can be a weapon of mass distraction. Yes. Because the first thing we do is turn something on because we don't sit with ourselves and ask what it is that we want and what it is that we believe. And you can do that through the tool of meditation. First thing in the morning, you sit up and you don't reach for anything. And you just sit in that space, which is really who you are. Connecting with the power, the energy of the worlds, and that you are an extension of. And then you can ask yourself, what is it that I want without that? And a thought will come and say, well, you should do that. And you can say, well, maybe I could or I don't have to. So what is that mm-hmm. that I really want? And it, it doesn't, it's not a light switch. You have to do the work. I call it a hashtag blissiplin from my big brother who says in, you know, it is up to you. This is all up to mm-hmm. you. We yeah. have the ability to choose what we focus on. So even when you were talking about your beautiful vacations and your drive to Yosemite and do, and all of the in Sedona, I used to do workshops there and I love it and I write music there. The whole choice is I can remember those and say, oh, and now I'm stuck here and I can't do anything, COVID this and blah, blah, blah. I have a very powerful tool in this book called Turning on a Dime of Memories. Mm-hmm. So there's your body doesn't know if it's real or Memorex. Now, millennials will have to look that they up. They will, yes. But, uh, <laughs> but there's no difference. You can get into that state of remembering. I love Facebook memories because I get to go and go, oh my God. And instead of saying, oh, I go, look at the amazing places I've been. Look at, oh, I remember that. It was so fun. And you're, you, you just, your body begins to react to that as if it's happening again. So that's a function of my discipline and my muscle that I have worked on to be able to have 88% happiness. Are you 88% happy? Probably more. <laughs> I say 88 because um, it's my shtick, but honestly, it's probably more. Um, that doesn't mean to say that bad things don't happen. Uh, the costly divorce was not fun. Uh, the reason why this went number one bestseller is because I lost a $200,000 consulting job. And the moment I lost it, I used my discipline. First, I get pissed because I'm human and I need to let that uh, energy go. And then second, I say things like, I can't wait to see what good comes out of this uh, with as little sarcasm as possible. And then I listen. And the voice said, write. And I said, I don't have time to write. And the voice said, you do now. So I sat down and wrote. One week, 
First chapter, out of loneliness into hope. Last chapter, out of control into happiness. The next day, I finish it Sunday night. Monday morning, I get an email from a West Coast publisher that says, we follow motivational speakers on LinkedIn. Are you writing anything? Have you written it? I'm like, are you forking kidding me? So I sent him the chapters. I got an offer. I ended up with three offers by the end of the week. And I went with the New York publisher, Morgan James, partially because proceeds, part proceeds go to Habitat for Humanity. Mm. And the rest is history. Number one bestseller, eight bestseller list, number four on Denver Post, um, book medals. I went on tour, uh, every single major bookstore had a signing at Barnes and Noble Books a Million. Now, did I have that in my vortex? You better believe it. I put that down there 12, no, uh, uh, nine years ago, I wrote in an exercise, uh, I was at a revelation conference speaking and that was when I met uh, Abraham Hicks and, and Michael who was running it said, write a resume of everything you've done and on the back, write a resume of everything you would like to have happen from this point forward and number one best-selling book was on there i forgot i forgot that i had put that into a desire bucket and then when all this happened i found the resume and i went and most of the things on there have come so yeah. the the if you don't leave with anything else after listening to this please please do not forget that it is the desire of a friendly universe to satisfy your your heart's desires. It doesn't mean it is Joseph Campbell's follow your bliss, but the bliss is in the making of that. So yes. as much as you can focus on, you know, what do I have versus why am I not in Ireland? Then it will begin to, you know, you'll get a call from here and you'll see this land and you'll see this house and you'll have this opportunity. That's the way life is. If you tune in mm -hmm. to that frequency that says, come here, come here, come here, come here. I love you. I love you. You are good enough. You are worthy. You're wonderful. You're fantastic. Oops. That was really funny when you felt there, but, oh, I'm here. Let me pick you up and give you a hug. That's what our life is. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm once again, not being enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm really trying. Never, never. <laughs> you, 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 folks, you know as well as I do, she doesn't have to try. She is that exuberance, that ex enthusiasm and excitement that she does share with uh, a lot of people in the workshops and uh, gatherings that she has had and will have again. We will all get together once again uh, and uh, maybe even do another Hands Across America or something like that. And again, you uh, millennials can Google that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, use, uh, I use references all the time that I just say, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, just simply. Yeah, my just, niece works for Google, so oh. we don't say Google it in our house. We say Christina it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's very good. So, folks, the book is entitled Eight Ways uh, to Happiness, and we encourage you to get a copy. You can go to her website, which is drmarissa.com. We're going to be sending, or actually, it's drmarissa.life, L-I-F-E. It's a new 
a new uh, new code there, which is incredible what they've come up with. Uh, go there. We will be linked to your website so that people can go straight there, maybe even as they're listening to this interview, uh, to uh, uh, continue their evolutionary and transformational process. We really encourage people to do that. And I want to thank you so much for sharing this time with us. This has just been wonderful. Um, I wish we had more time. I would like to continue this this conversation because I know that there's a lot more because you've written many other books as well, several yes, other I have books. A children's book that I want to just flash. Please, because it's part of my nonprofit right mm-hmm. now. Um, Mommy, what are feelings? I wrote when my kids uh, were five and seven. They did all the illustrations, mm-hmm. and right now, especially now, it's important to talk about feelings with everything that's happening oh, yeah. with your kids. And so, this is cute. This is frustrated. So every feeling has a taste, touch, sight, and sound, and you draw the feelings. And um, right now, uh, I'm offering free story times on Sunday on Zoom. So if you buy the book, it's an ebook, so you can download it. We don't have to worry about sending and all of that stuff. And every every page your child can draw on is perfect oh. for kids from four to 11, 411, but there are adults that have benefited as well. Mm-hmm. And all proceeds go to Eight Ways to Happiness, uh, to providing books and services to kids who have temporarily forgotten about their birthright to happiness. So that, and then Tuesdays at noon, eight years now, I've been uh, broadcasting, splattering more hope and happiness on my show called Take My Advice. I'm not using it. Get happy with Dr. Marissa. So there's no K words on that show. No Kardashian talk at all. Because I want you to tune into your own reality show and how you can be happy 88% of the time. So thanks for letting me do that commercial. Absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. It's yeah. it's part of what we do here. We want people to, to know that our guests have these uh, products and or services that are available, uh, whether they take advantage of them. Again, is their choice. But we just we we lay out this smorgasbord table. All right. And we ask people to come and take what resonates with them. If it doesn't, please don't touch it. You don't want you know, you don't want to I don't want you to hurt yourself in that regard. But come back to the table. Come back to the table after you have partaken of those things that resonated with you, because having participated in the first round of serving or first serving, that might precipitate a second serving of something else and it will lead to something else and it will lead to something. And then your journey uh, is getting fuller and fuller and more fulfilled and deeper. And that's really what, what we're trying to do here with, with these programs. Absolutely. I have and, and uh, offering free happy tips. If you go to drmarissa.life so that you can use some of them, you can feel happy in the instant that you go through them and begin to use to practice them. Well, Dr. Marissa.life's the website, the book, Eight Ways to Happiness. And uh, we, as I've said before, we will be linked to your website so that people can continue on their, their process. I do have three final questions for you. But before I ask those questions, which you may have answered during the interview, but I like to ask them pointedly. 
I want to let our listeners know that this program is here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at richarddugan.com. We do have podcasts. The audio of this uh, radio broadcast is on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting to. Thank you so much for doing that. We have uh, video now. We are on YouTube, the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan. Just look for the guy with the hat and uh, tell me your story and we'll, you'll be able to watch these programs as well. And also, if you'd like to support the work we are doing, we grateful, gratefully appreciate everything that we have received and will receive. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours. And uh, to that end of final three questions for our guest today, the author of, again, Eight Ways to Happiness. And the first of those three questions is, who is Marissa Pay? I am a precious child of a friendly universe who is loving, lovable, and loved, and wrapped in a warm blanket of uh, worthiness, who's just a tad sarcastic, and who loves to laugh, and she has a friend who doesn't have an answering machine. She has a questioning machine. And when you call her, she says, who are you and what do you want? And that's the friend that you just asked. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? The definition of success that Ralph Waldo Emerson gives is to laugh often and much and to leave this world a little better than I found it and to know that one life has breathed easier because I have lived. That's what I want, to be a beneficial presence on the planet. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To be 88% happy. I'm going to ask you one final question uh, that is not part of those three, and that is, have we left anything out, a message that you would like to leave with our listeners? Uh, I tell people that uh, the universe asks the questions on this program. I'm just along for the ride. And so that's what has come out. So is there a particular message at this time that you would like to leave our listeners with here as we enter 2021, the second of 10 years of uh, perfect vision? You are the boss of you. And any voices or any messages that have told you that you are not enough are lies. They are there to keep you from grabbing life by the balls and knowing that it is your birthright to fulfill your heart's desires. Doesn't mean that there isn't some effort that is involved. You have to do things that you don't feel like doing. And in those cases, you use the gospel according to Nike, just do it. And you use the tools, the happy 88 tools that you can get from me or anyone else to take care of yourself. You are one of a kind, wonderful. I know that in the moments that you don't know that, just remember that I know that and just hang on to that until you can know that on your own 
own. I will love you and hold you in that truth until you can do it yourself. And by the way, folks, in addition to everything that you've heard on this program of her and uh, from her, she is also quite an accomplished musician. I happened to catch that video on LinkedIn of you playing the piano. And uh, there, there is a part of me that does envy you. I did take piano lessons in eighth grade. Uh, my teacher was Mrs. Granary. Uh, didn't I, I learned I learned a lot from it, but I don't play today. But you play beautifully. And um, and we thank you for that gift. If you folks want to see it, uh, look up Dr. Marissa on LinkedIn and find that video. I'm sure that it's still it's still there and will be there for for time immemorial. But we can't be here to, for time immemorial. But we mm -hmm. thank you once again for joining us on the Tell Me Your Story. Thank you. And it's funny that you brought the music up. I, I'm a retired lounge lizard. But because I started posting those, people have asked about my music that used to be on iTunes. So it's back at my site. You can buy my original music, a lot of which was created in Sedona. Oh. And uh, I'll just sing one line from... The serenity prayer which i put music to just mm -hmm. because you, you like it and uh, if you would just close your eyes and take a breath and just listen to the words as they make their way into your heart god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know that difference to day Thank you very much for that. That was beautiful. And I thank you again for joining us. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices, including those eight ways to happiness to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.